Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Ilman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIlman.com or follow him on Instagram at KimIlman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the French Grand Prix in Le Castellaire. Bonjour monsieur. Bonjour. Let's start with how to get to France. What's the trip like there? For me, uh, Perth via Dubai, then to Nice. So it's about 18, 19 hours, or probably 20 hours to get that far. And then there's uh, a bit of dicking around at the airport for probably half an hour. I'm meeting another photographer. And um, then we've got about a two and a bit hour drive to where we're staying on the French Riviera mm-hmm. in a, a, an apartment on the beach, which looks quite magnificent. And then it's probably... Oh, well, on the Thursday, it'll be about a 30-minute drive up the hill to the track. But on Sunday last year, that drive was anything up to five or six hours Mm. because of the horrendous traffic, which we'll come back to later and chat. But um, look, it's a lovely spot. The track is beautiful. uh, And I'm excited because it's it's a really good layout for us as photographers um, with a couple of drawbacks. Well, this is the start of a long stint away for you so that this is the bulk of the travel i imagine the 18 hours flight over there yes and then there are five races in seven weeks so it sees me go first to la castellet and then on the monday i'll head to austria to vienna for the austrian grand prix Mm -hmm. which i love then there's 10 days off and then we head to britain for, uh, I don't really love Silverstone. The track's nice, but there's nothing around it. It's right out in the middle of the country. Unless you're camping out there, it's it's pretty darn dull. And then another 10 days off, and then there are two races back-to-back being Germany at Hockenheim, and the final one of the five is in Budapest, which is great because it's a city and there's great hotels and it's not far to travel to the track and it's a good one to end on. So what kind of impact does this have on you over time? being away for so long? I like the intensity of it all. In fact, I'd rather there be perhaps five races in five weeks. These two (laughs) 10-day breaks uh, are a bit of a drain because I'm just forced to kill time. But I do hope to get to two of the the racing team's headquarters while I'm away. And I've made inroads into uh, inquiring about both of those. So with a bit of luck, I could end up taking some behind-the-scenes shots at their actual factory. So that, that is my hope. Well, given that France is the home of Renault, will you be heading to the Renault headquarters? No, that's not one I've approached. Okay. Um, I don't even know where that is, to be honest, but uh, it will be their home race. And as such, you'd think that Daniel and Nico will be very much in demand. And I would yes. imagine Renault will have lots of their corporate people there uh, and paid big bucks to do it. And I do happen to know that Daniel will have a new pair of boots, okay. custom-designed racing boots for this race. Now, the last time he did that was in Monaco, where he had the four aces on his uh, racing shoes, mm-hmm. boots, whatever you call them. Uh, and this race, I expect some red, white, and blue theme of some sort, and I don't know how it'll look, but I am going to catch up with Michael, his trainer, on the Thursday and mm-hmm. see if I can get a, an opportunity to shoot those before the event starts. Well, let's talk about the track itself now. Where's it located and what's it like? It's uh, in the hills. There's Last year, there was only one road in and one road out, pretty much. And it was a bloody nightmare to get to and mm. from. And uh, it was an embarrassment for the organisers. And they've, uh, they've agreed and they've openly said it was a, a disgrace. So this year, they've made some huge changes. They've introduced another road. 
I think they found another road, actually. <laughs> uh, the car parking last year was horrendous. It took three hours sometimes for people to get out of the car park. Mm-hmm. And putting them into the car parks, they channeled them all into one. And when that one was full, they put them into the next one. Oh, I believe that's going to change this year. They're going to have drones up so that okay. they can monitor what the situation is like. I think the police were a big part of the problem last year. I understand that uh, they weren't that helpful Okay. Maybe that will change this year. Uh, the beauty of being an F1 photographer is we get a media pass on our car and we do get to use a, a road that nobody else get, uh, only teams and media get to use. So that does save us some time. But I just felt for so many spectators, and, and I have had two people who've made comments on Instagram on my post this week who said, look, I live an hour away from the track. It took me six to get there. So I'm not going back if it's like that. Now, that was primarily on the Saturday and the Sunday. And I do remember sitting in our car park on the Saturday thinking, this is crazy. I should have stayed editing Mm. for another two hours and perhaps it would have taken half the time. But the organisers have made a number of changes and they are confident that it should be perhaps a 40-minute drive from the freeway. And I think last year it would have been, in fact, I know this, it would have been a lot quicker to park your car and walk the 12 k's than it was to drive it because yeah. you sat motionless for so long. Oh, and, and then to top it off, last year on the Saturday I got halfway to the track and realised I'd left my media pass back at the yeah. um, my apartment so I had to drive back. So that just compounded my <laughs> drama. Well, let's talk about the track itself. Is there as much trouble getting around the track as a photographer as there is getting there? No, once you're inside and you're on that little um, loop road inside and out, it's perfect because there's buses that run regularly throughout each session. So that's not the drama. And you would have seen uh, all the images have these red and um, blue stripes, mm. which are, are beautiful to look at, but it makes it very sameish. Every corner just has these yeah. same colours on the runoff. And it, the track also is designed such that the fences are a long way away from the actual cars. So there's very little opportunity, unlike, say, uh, in Monaco, where you are a metre away from the cars, you get no closer than maybe 30 or 40 metres, I think, for most of the corners, and sometimes 100. And so you've really got to use your 600mm lens, or certainly uh, if you're doing a wide shot, you'd be shooting with a 70 to 200 instead of, say, something like a 14mm. I don't think it's as photographically beautiful as say somewhere like a Monaco where you've got that lovely light where the tunnel which I love yeah but there are great shots and I love looking at what the the long time pros shoot and that does give me some inspiration as Mm. to where I should be going to shoot but really you most of your shots you'll work in that red and blue uh, painted stripes although last year I did discover a shot and well last year was my first year because it was uh, only this race was new last year after some time off. Yes. And uh, there's an airport right next door, and that's where a lot of the VIPs fly in. They don't worry about the cars. Oh, okay. That's a nightmare. <laughs> so they'll fly in, and the, the, the planes are visible parked on the tarmac, and there's a couple of spots where you can get cars with aircraft in the background. Now, uh, I don't think there's another – no, there's not another um, track where you have – um, fixed-wing aircraft. You can have shots with helicopters in the background, but mm. not fixed-wing. So that, that's an opportunity for us. And I know that uh, last year a number of the drivers stayed up. In fact, probably I imagine almost all of the drivers stayed at the hotel next to the track because it allowed them just to quickly nip over mm. on a scooter. But, my gosh, you wouldn't want to be paying um, for that out of your own pocket <laughs> because it's crazy money 
simply because of the fact that it's the only real option there that's very close. And there's another hotel, maybe about a K away, that's only marginally cheaper. But most people would tend to stay down on the coast in not that larger hotels, Airbnbs, some smaller properties, but they're beautiful little towns, really lovely coastal French Riviera stuff. How would you rate the paddock and pit area compared to other tracks? Paddock's beautiful, nice and wide. Pits is totally unique. Um, Normally when we shoot in the pit lane, Mm -hmm. we will shoot from the side where the garages are and we're very close to the garages, often standing right next to the line where the garage goes into the pit lane. But with this track, they don't allow us to shoot that side. We have to, and I don't mind doing it, in fact, I quite like it, we shoot from the other side of the pit Standing on the grass where there's a very wide expanse between the edge of the pit lane and the straight. So we can walk, well, it's probably 30, 40 metres sometimes, and it allows us to get the shots of the cars coming out of the garage and driving towards you. Now that's that's unusual because to get that shot you normally have to have a pit wall tabard mm. and they are only available to a handful of photographers for each session and during the race and qualifying, it's only six people that get them. So, yeah, it, it's it's a different look in that respect. Back in the paddock, mm-hmm. beautiful. Very wide paddock, nice expanse, motorhomes uh, on one side and the drivers park their cars just outside and walk in. So if I want to go and do anything outside the event, and the, the interesting thing is that part of our – uh, rules and regulations as an accredited photographer is we can't do any video or audio inside yeah. the track. But if I move 40 metres and go and stand outside the track where it's general public, I can do something. And I can have that, uh, if I shoot a video, I can have the um, entrance to the paddock in the background. So that's a great thing. Oftentimes it's, it's a real hike to go anywhere near um, the general public area and mm. even outside the track. So it might be something I do this race. And how does the media centre go in France? Oh, it's lovely. It's upstairs, uh, right in the middle of the paddock. So uh, unlike perhaps in Budapest where you're on the other side of the track and you have to walk underneath a tunnel and it's probably going to take you a good couple of minutes if there's anything exciting happening, you, you're at least a couple of minutes away from getting it. Whereas here you can just simply walk down the stairs and you're smack bang in the middle of it. Uh, I can't remember what food we had and where the canteen was last year, but uh, with those European races we're often – well, we're allowed to be as guests of, say, Ferrari or Mercedes mm. or Sauber, Alfa Romeo, and eat in their dedicated motorhomes, which mm. is beautiful. And I've got to say that Mercedes food is probably the very best on offer. Alfa Romeo is pretty good. Ferrari, we're always thankful, normally a pasta and very Italian. But yeah, that's a real bonus because it's not like we get to sit around for two hours having lunch. You might get a six or seven minute window, dash in, grab a plate of food, shovel it down, bang, out there again. <laughs> F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. With the traffic being such a problem last year, how was the turnout and do you think it'll change this year? Now, I can't remember crowd numbers, but I just figure with those sort of delays in traffic, there must have been huge numbers going up. Uh, if, if the organisers have done a good enough job in getting across the changes they've made, I don't think they'll suffer any backlash in terms of crowd numbers, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see, I guess, and, and come Saturday that will become apparent as to whether there are huge big gaps in the grandstands for qualifying. Mm. Let's talk about the race from last year. 
there were a number of large uh, art pieces in the front of the pit lane and next to the podium. What was the significance of these? Yeah, they were there for all four days. Orlinsky is a... I don't know whether he's a sculptor or he's... I think he might be a sculptor, but he makes these very large, interesting-looking figures. And they were positioned in the pit lane on the grass and also a huge big gorilla on the podium. (laughs) And people were thinking, why why have they got that? What's the deal with that? But it was a sponsorship deal to promote Orlinsky. In fact, I did some photography for them because they needed some images of their particular artworks down in in the areas that they were located. But they also gave away smaller versions of their sculptures to the drivers on the Thursday. So that was just outside where the drivers drove up, they parked their cars, and as they walked in, they were given a box. So everybody, all the drivers when they walked down the paddock, all carried this Orlinsky box, which was great promotion, because all the photos showed them carry this particular box. Um, And also the trophy was bizarre. The winner's trophies in the second and third place on the podium were these sculptures. Okay. And I did happen to see in Saint-Tropez, I was there earlier this year on, a, on the road from Barcelona to Monaco, we stopped and had a look, and they have a, a, a display store there, a retail outlet, and it's really glamorous looking stuff, but I'm just not sure that it was the best winner's trophy of the year. In fact, some <laughs> people say it was an sh- absolute shocker, but uh, look, it stands out and the, and the stuff is brilliantly made mm. and a real eye-opener. Yeah, because they had like animals as Big Bear. There was some jeans as well, Yes, I the think. black jeans were out uh, at the entrance to the paddock. And I think that's what all the drivers got because I think, what's this? Well, this is a <laughs> gift for you. Okay. In fact, I always think it's a, it's a great ambush. You could give a driver a box of something and, and have something written on it that they'd never see and they'd carry it down the paddock and you could write whatever you write on one side of the box <laughs> if they didn't know what it said. It would be on photos that are shipped all around the world. Well, also last year in the race was the crash between Bottas and Vettel, and there seemed like you got some photos of it. Now, I, I was thinking about that. That must have been on the first lap. Mm. Uh, yeah, but that's that's an awful spot to shoot from in terms of a uh, first corner shot. It was horrible. There's a crane in the background. And there was bits and pieces of car flying off, but they were quite wide shots. And look, I often find myself thinking, now, where am I going to go for the start this year? Do I go back there? Uh and sometimes I don't make my mind up until I walk off the grid with 12 minutes to go before the start of the race. And I think, I've got to make a decision now. I've been toying with two or three spots, and yeah, I just don't know where I'll end up. It's nice to get the cars condensed, and for that you need to be in the first few corners because by the end of the first lap they're in one great big long snake, and yeah. uh, it's not that pretty to look at. But, yeah, well, I'll find out on Sunday afternoon at, 2.10 p.m. or 3.10 p.m., whatever time this race starts, where the hell I am at uh, turn one or further on. Does the French track have any unique elements to it, like Monaco has the tunnel, for example? Yeah, it has this section um, which must be about halfway through the lap. And it, when you look at it from the air, they've des- designed it so that there's a number of different layouts that you could take. And, of course, with the F1, they take the same route every time. Mm-hmm. But it looks quite daunting from the air that if you made a mistake, you could take the wrong road. So it it looks interesting, but uh, I'm not sure that there's any great signature shot except for those lines in it. And, uh, yeah, there's an opportunity to do some interesting stuff, see how we go. You had some interesting shots from last year as well in the rain from above. I think it was from the media centre. Yeah, because <laughs> I um, it was, I think that was during qualifying. We realised yeah. that nothing was going to happen. So we all headed back. And then I thought, oh, well, 
if they do happen to um, go out, we can just walk up the stairs and and shoot down at pit lane, which was good. And I've not. I must admit, I have not shot from height uh, during the rain because it so rarely rains during F1. I, I remember a few days, but uh, when we do get rain, it's often a nice thing. And the beauty of shooting from up there, we're under an umbrella, so we could shoot wet weather shots but not get wet. And often that, that's the real drama with shooting in the rain is it, it's tricky with your camera gear and, and you get soggy and your feet get wet because you walk through puddles and you've got no spare shoes and no spare socks and you're only halfway through the day and you walk back up to the media centre and there's just wet weather gear draped all over chairs and down the, um, the rail against the window to dry. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting little setup when it rains. Do you have any favourite shots from last year? There were some really good sparking ones, ones in the rain, for example. Do you have no, any favourites? No, I don't have any favourites. <laughs> I just don't think it was one of my better races. Nothing stands out to me. Although you live in hope. Since it had made a return last year after a while, were you excited to shoot that last year because it was like yeah. a new track? new tracks and especially ones that are really well set up like that one. And when you go to some of the tracks like Barcelona, it's very old and it's run down. But mm. th- this was fresh. Uh, and exciting, and of course, next year we have Vietnam, which uh, I'm I'm excited about because it's not a 20-hour flight. It's <laughs> it's probably only seven, maybe eight tops, which is a bonus for me. But it is nice going back to a track that you've been to once because you certainly have done a lot of the groundwork and and you know what to avoid and and perhaps a bit of a, a bit of an idea of where to go and I've certainly got a couple of shots in my mind I know that uh, down one end of the track uh, must be one two three but but turn four five there's some great spots to go up in the grandstand and you get this lovely shot where you pan uh, right to left with the car and blurs the uh, red and blue lines and the Rolex logo and you can see right up to the other end of the track so straight away I, I'm there on session one because uh, it doesn't involve the crowd, because oftentimes we don't like to shoot uh, and show grandstands in session one and two because there's no one there mm. or very few people there. You save those shots for qualifying and race day when the stands are full and yeah. they uh, really paint a nice picture. How do you approach what to shoot at a new track? So last year, how did you decide what corners to shoot at, for example? Uh, I ask senior okay. experienced photographers who've been here perhaps when it was uh, in action prior and they'll give me a few tips. I'll certainly go online and look at uh, someone like a Sutton's Library or LAT or Getty and find out what they've got up there as their best shots from past years. And then I do a track walk on a new track, uh, so I'll get a rough idea from there. And then on the days that we're shooting, I'll look for great photographers. And if I see no one for 25, 35 metres and, uh, and then there's two really good photographers over there, I'll probably go over there and have a look because they're not likely to be taking lousy shots. Yeah, that's probably the place to be. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't think there's uh, too many new photographers who wouldn't be looking at what the experienced guys are doing because they're good, because they're experienced and they've, they've tried this stuff and they, they know what to look for. And as we come to a finish here, one more general question I'd like to ask is that you shoot for four days per event. How does each day differ photographically? Well, of course, no cars on the Thursday. That's media day. So that's primarily drivers, personalities, TV commentators, track, wide shots, setting the scene. Friday, hardest day, two one-and-a-half-hour sessions on track. So there's lots of cars, and you go through thousands of shots during uh, FP1 and 2. And then um, there's the driver's briefing late in the day. So it's a very early start and a very late finish and lots of um, photographs in the Mm -hmm. middle. 
Saturday, a little bit easier, one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, typically, with qualifying and FP3. Uh, no driver's briefing, so pretty much after you've done qualifying, you might hang around and watch the drivers go for a wander and go backwards and forwards to engineering meetings and hospitality suites. Uh, so that's a slightly shorter day. And race day, um, probably about the same as Saturday in so much as you're there about five hours before the race. You're photographing drivers as they come in and, and other luminaries looking for celebrities that's mm -hmm. always a great yeah. thing you hang around the FIA suite where they tend to be uh, wined and dined by FIA or Red Bull if they've got some amazing guys or Mercedes often have um, celebrities in then you've got the driver's parade an hour and a half before the grid or oh, 45 minutes before the race after the race celebration press conference uh, so yeah that's that tends to be hectic after because you've got so much stuff you've got from just before the start or no you've got the grid right through to the press conference and the and the post race celebrations mm. that's a lot of images that's maybe 4 or 5 hours of images that you got to just sift through and get out quickly yeah it's we like 4 or 5 hours straight of shooting basically yes yeah there's not too many gaps in that and uh, I, I tend to now be a bit more selective. You know, I'll follow a car around, perhaps once I've got 30 or 40 shots at a particular corner, but I won't press the shutter unless something interesting happens, whereas in the past I just take every car. And, of course, every photo you take, you've got to look at it at some point and decide if, if it's worth keeping. Mm -hmm. And on, on a race day, there could be 5,000, 4,000 photos. Well, thank you very much for the insights, Kim. We look forward to seeing what you do at the French GP this time. Merci beaucoup. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPix.com or KimIlman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIlman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now. <laughs>